Michael Block here, and welcome back to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. Did you know you can support Theater in the Now by becoming a patron? Visit patreon.com slash theaterinthenow to learn how, and never miss an episode of Block Talk by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. And visit us at theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. here today with one of my favorite people on the planet, Ryan Farnsworth. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you? I'm all right, man. How are you doing? Not bad. Enjoying this nice weather. Yeah, the today. weather's nice in February to have 64, 65 degree weather at the end of February. It's pretty nice I'll in New York it. City. I'll take it. Yep. So what have you been up to? How's life? Good, man. Life's been good. Uh, I got off the uh, beautiful tour in um, October. Well, actually, I got off in September, but I came back to the city in October and just sort of been doing the uh, general grind of the actor, taking a lot of class, going to auditions, and um, yeah, getting ready, as I had told you before, getting ready to move into Manhattan, which is always uh, a fun little time of the year when you have to pack everything you own up into stuff and try to get it over from one place to another place. (laughs) down some stairs and up some other stairs yeah i'm kind of <laughs> glad that i haven't done that in a very very long time i know you got a pretty nice setup here uh fun little tidbit to our listeners uh we used to be roommates we did indeed in this very establishment in where this we little are apartment we're recording right recording now. this podcast but yeah we don't want to bore you with that information <laughs> we want to excite you with the life of ryan farnsworth the exciting life <laughs> sure um so let let's talk about the backstory. Where where are you from? All right, so I'm from a uh, very very small town uh, in Northern California, about an hour south of the Oregon border. It's called Dunsmuir, California, and uh, it's not like you know everyone thinks California is like beaches and, but there's actually a lot of really mountainous and yeah woodsy areas, and I'm from one of those. It and then I say Northern California, people think San Francisco, but it's good four and a half. Uh, Almost five hours. You mean there's northeast. life beyond San Francisco? Yes. Wow. I'm Even shocked. people in California don't really think of anything <laughs> being north of San Francisco. They think it's just Oregon and Washington, and then eventually sure. Canada. But it's it's the north. So how did you get into the world of theater? Uh, I guess that's it, when I was younger. I always think I enjoyed music. Um, of all different kinds, and um, before I really got into acting, I was kind of more into um, not really like what we would think of as professional, like theatrical singing, but just uh, like pop and rock music, and um, I was in a rock band for a few years in high school, and just uh, sort of found that to be something exciting for me to do, and there was a a lot of great attention from a lot of pretty women, so I continued on <laughs> with that with that line of work and went to school and eventually came out this way. And you went to school at? I went to school at University of California, Irvine, UCI, with our illustrious mascot, the Anteaters. Do you have a lot <laughs> of Anteaters? Um, no, look, no. Nothing? <laughs> There's no, no Anteaters in Orange County, California, as far as I know, maybe at a zoo or something, but... <laughs> 
I don't know. Is there a history to why they were called the Anteaters? There is something. I don't remember the entire rule, but it was like, from what I saw, they basically gave the school, because it didn't have a mascot for a while. I don't know. Maybe it didn't have, like, sports, and then it finally got them together, and it let the school vote on, like, one of four options. And I don't even remember what the other three options were, but it wasn't surprising that Anteaters got picked because so they were all really Everybody stupid. probably trolled. I think that's kind of what it was. It was just like someone probably very similar to me, <laughs> <laughs> like put some smart aleck response down and people thought it was funny and all voted for it. And so then if, it's been that way for like 50 years. If redo the mascot, what would, it, what would you pick? Well, it's probably not as um, as not really that much better, but uh, Orange County, I guess, where the school was in Irvine, there used to be like a big plain of bison. Okay. So that probably would make sense. Maybe like the I don't know. Uh, if I were to pick, or they could do something completely outrageous, like uh, you know, you know, like there's the Spartans and the Trojans. Sure. They could do something like. The Highlanders, all or right. the Picty, Why some not? Scottish warrior. That makes no sense at all. So let's talk about your journey to New York. Okay. Um, so after you graduated, you spent some time on the high seas? I did. I spent uh, almost four years, or about four years, uh, during various projects. Um, it was interesting because I had come to New York a few times before, and... A couple times at least. And I felt like it was just like, this town is insane. There's no way, <laughs> how do people even, you know, they say like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Sure. It's it's just, there's way too many people. There's way too many people and not enough work and not enough buildings and not enough trains. And it's just nuts. And And I sort of hated it <laughs> the first time I was here. But I still really had a desire to, you know, by this time, of course, I'd gone to school for musical theater. So that was sort of, I changed over from the rocker thing. And um, I knew that it's kind of where you had to be. It's the hub, you know, it's like the ancient Rome of modern day. And um, so I looked around at like all my friends who were successful and all my friends who were miserable. And I said, okay, what's the big difference? And it was pretty much because all of my friends who were making it were able to focus on their creativity alone because they had fairly wealthy parents who were supporting them. And my family doesn't have any money and never really has. So um, I just figured, well, I'm not going to move to New York right out of college and be a barista somewhere and waking up every morning at five. You know, I went through my phase of that when I finally moved to New York, uh, not being a barista. But I... I liked cruise ships because there wasn't really any, you didn't have any bills. Mm-hmm. And so if you were smart, you could really enjoy your time and see a lot of the world and get paid a decent chunk of change and save up. And so I was able to save up a nice nest egg when I moved here, and um, which was a little more than three years ago, three and a half yeah. years ago. And uh, I moved in. Here, to, I yep. moved in with you. First well, time. At, well, at that time, I was subletting, so I was uh-huh. still not officially here. And then, a couple, I guess, a couple months later, I officially came on. Right. 
But yeah, well, it's a big place. People were coming in and out, so it made sense. It's still happening. Yep. Um, do you have any favorite stories from the cruise? Um, well, uh, here's one. Here's one that I guess I really liked was um, I got to travel all over a lot of the world, and at one point in time, we were doing a cruise. I was working for Celebrity Cruise Line, and we were leaving from San Diego. And we were, it was like a really long cruise. It was something like know, 19 days, I think. Uh, maybe even more than that. And 24 days, maybe. And it was from going from San Diego to Hawaii, from Hawaii down to French Polynesia, and from French Polynesia to Australia. So it was a really, really long voyage. Um, and at one point in time, between French Polynesia, so like I think it was Tahiti was maybe our last port, uh, to Sydney, it was 10 straight days at oh, sea. Oh, God which was absolutely nuts because, <laughs> you know, kind of started going crazy. But uh, we crossed the international date line and then stayed in Australia for four months. And then when we came back after New Year's, so the New Year had come through and we came back and we crossed the international date line again and the next year was a leap year. So even though maybe this isn't as exciting of a performer story, <laughs> it was like 2011 or something actually was a 364-day year for me, and 2012 was a 367-day year for me. Fascinating. So I, had, I was a serious time traveler that year uh, <laughs> because three days, it's weird to have one year be three days longer than the yeah. previous year. I don't know how many people actually that happens to right. them in their life so i always thought that was just such a funny part of the traveling but yeah i really loved it it was just uh you know it's like anything else you do it for a while and then you go okay it's probably been there done good that. yeah so you're in new york you get you do a couple shows while you're here mm -hmm. um including one that i saw at <laughs> the, the illustrious production of zombie strippers. Yes. Which sometimes people ask me to do stuff from it in auditions. And I'm like, really? all right, I don't... Okay, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> I was like, because this was two years ago. Is, is the material in your book? Or they no. just want to know what it is? They just want to know what it is. And I have to like explain to them, like, okay, it was this, this like pseudo dance music trance hip hop comedy <laughs> thing where I played this douchebag rapper who was modeled after Kevin Federline. <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, do something from it. And I'm like, all right. And so wow, <laughs> somewhere deep in the recesses of my memory, there's still enough uh, lyrics from one of the rap songs that I had to do <laughs> that I was able to do it at did, my most previous audition. Did you have to do it for, uh, when you auditioned for Beautiful? No, it wasn't <laughs> for Beautiful. Beautiful only ever wanted material from Beautiful. They gave me so much stuff. That was a crazy process because it was like they gave me like part of one tiny song and that was it for my first audition. And then it was like, oh, okay, all right. I, I don't know if they liked me or not. I thought it went well. And then I left. And then like two days later, they're like, well, here's your callback info. Uh, you'll be doing the same thing for uh, the main production crew. But then also take a look at this packet because if they like you, they might consider you for an understudy slot because all the principals had already sure. been cast. And they said, so they might have you do that like two days later and it's a big packet. So we're just going to give it to you now. And it was. It was like 28 pages. Mm -hmm. And then like 
two days before that audition, they sent me another packet and they were like, uh, actually, we think you're probably better. Just learn them both. And so it was like I walked oh in with like almost the entire 65 show. pages of material. I mean, there was like three songs, so that was a good chunk of it, but it was like seven or eight scenes. And I auditioned for every single track, <laughs> like every single guy track, except for obviously like the Drifters, which I ended up understudying them anyway. It's <laughs> another long story. But um, it, it was like they cast me and I actually didn't, they cast me as a swing and I didn't know what my like actual... <laughs> responsibilities sure. were until i got there because i was like i don't know i i read for everyone right i don't know where i am on the pecking order who i'm understudying or what they're so just like you, you will be a swing you got the part you're mm-hmm. a swing on the beautiful tour yeah what was life like on the road and life as a swing you know i don't mind being on the road i think obviously working uh on cruise ships probably got me used sure. to it <laughs> do, you, do you have a preference of being on land or sea land is always more convenient i sure. mean sea is definitely more exotic but there's a certain you have certain limitations um when you're on the ocean like even you you can be really excited oh we're going to barcelona i really want to see what it's like in barcelona that's great but you've got like a six hour window in the afternoon morning and afternoon you know you don't really get to see the city's nightlife um and you're just limited to uh sort of your little time frame and then also communication is pretty tough because the little bit of internet that was pretty much similar to windows 95 dial-up oh god cost something outrageous like you know like 40 cents a minute so you're just like (laughs) trying to budget your time so you're only on the internet for five hours or five minutes a day to just see basically what the San Francisco Giants are doing <laughs> was most of Priorities. what I did. Or, or checking fantasy football stuff, yes, of course. Um, but being on land uh, and like touring with Beautiful was great. Um, I had done a tour before that was not very fun. That was the acclaimed national tour, Jingle Bell Rock. And that was a non-equity tour where it was one of those like, I don't, they've got like names for it where you basically wake up at, early in the morning and you get on a flight and then you go to the theater that afternoon and sound check for a show that night and then you get back to the hotel and then you do the whole thing again the next day and so you're sleeping like five hours a day it's pretty tough um and but the beautiful tour was a nice relaxing equity production tour where the shortest sit downs we had were a week so i got to see something like 23 cities great uh in a year or 53 weeks uh and you know you can kind of call whoever you want to call when you want to and you have a little more control over your living situation and um you can go on the internet as much as you want yeah (laughs) so it's it was definitely uh much preferable to especially once i came to new york and i you know i got the agent and sort of your priorities change for how serious you need to be about certain things. Um, what was the biggest challenge of life as a swing? Well, a lot of people say being a swing is difficult because you have to memorize so many parts. And I was understudying seven tracks. So I understand that, but I, I don't know if... I think maybe I have 
a better memory than the average person. And so the learning the parts wasn't really as hard as I thought it was going to be. The hardest part of being a swing for me, at least in that show, and maybe it's because it wasn't a very dance heavy show, but we didn't have a lot of people calling out very Mm -hmm. often. Uh, And other than Carol King, who's, that's a monster role. Everybody else is kind of, it's not, you know, everyone on tour will kill me, but it's not super, super difficult. So I think in that first year we did around 450 shows and I was downstairs for 410 of them or something like that. And all my friends were upstairs playing and I was watching Netflix and doing push-ups. It was just like, (laughs) all right, you know, you have to try to find things to keep you from going insane. And uh, it was really interesting because, you know, tours, most people go out on tours because the money's good, and you have to make that decision when, because uh, the tour is still out. I think it's still going to be out for another, it's like halfway through. Right. <laughs> they still have another year and a half. Um, you have to sort of make that decision whether you want to stay or you want to come back to New York, and my agent said, well, we think you should come back, but give it some time to think about it, and I think we were in Los Angeles at the time, and I said, well, let me go for a run, usually clears my head, and so I went out and I ran. I don't know, I like six miles or something. And I came back and I was just in such a good mood about the prospect of coming back to New York and and pursuing more artistic ventures because Beautiful was great. Um, but sometimes there is even a bit of a, a back and forth struggle with, uh, with different uh, staff on tour who, being an understudy in corporate theater is great, but they do somewhat expect you to at least emulate what the other person is doing. And that, again, takes a little bit away from your artistic process. And so I kind of had to... It wasn't really a fight, but they just... I got a lot of like, well, you know, that's not the way... uh, Ben Fankhauser is who I was understudying for the most part in the Barry Mann track. And he did stuff a very specific way because we're not really the same type. He's, He's like this tall, lean, uh, neurotic Jewish guy, and I'm like this short, (laughs) stocky uh, Scottish guy. In fact, I met Barry Mann on tour, and the first thing that he did, he shook shook my hand, and Ben Fankhauser said, this is another one of the Barrys. I think you'll like him. He likes to work out a lot, so he's he's just like you. And then Barry Mann shakes my hand, and he goes, oh, you must be the Irish version of me. And I go, (laughs) oh, I'm going to... Walk slowly away so you don't call the producers and oh, get me God. fired. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite city to visit? Man, um, there was a lot of really good ones. And I think a lot of my opinion of the cities weren't necessarily fair because sometimes the weather played a huge oh, part. Absolutely. Like, Of course, I really liked Washington, D.C. in October uh-huh. or yeah, I think that's when we were up there is in October. A beautiful time of the year to be in Washington. And then we were in, like, Pittsburgh in, like, you know, late November. And it was just, like, drizzly and Cold. gray and everyone just seemed unhappy. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, I'm a big history guy, so I really did like Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia and... Um, Boston was good too, but it was pretty cold when we were in Boston. But I guess I mean Boston's cold what like eight months of the year or something. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, as far as the 
being a California kid, you know, East, you East Coasters grew up with all this history around you. And it was like something we learned in school, but we don't have, you know, California, basically people started settling there in mm-hmm. the mid-1800s, you know? Our history is pretty recent. Sure. And so we don't think about these old, old... Um, like buildings and stuff and whoa this is where the boston (laughs) massacre took place hundreds of years ago right so it's uh is there a city that the tour is going to that you wish you could have gone to oh yeah there was a couple this year that um there was like a stretch that i was a little bit bummed that i didn't get to go through and it was like it had like naples florida and maybe Miami and Kansas City. They might be going through it right now, actually. And the city that I want to go to the most in the United States that I haven't got to go to yet and they're about to go to is uh, New Orleans. I hear it's just like the coolest, most fun, unique town, and I really want to go. I mean, you want to talk about history, and it's full of it. I I mean, I went there a couple years ago, and it really was one of the most inspiring visits I've had. Just like from an artistic perspective. Right. It's supposed to be just like so colorful and yeah. so energetic and just so interesting. Yeah. Everything about it is quite awesome. I'm a big jazz guy too, so yeah. New Orleans would be wonderful. What is the best advice you can give to an actor who's about to go on tour for the first time? Well, I guess it really depends on the kind of tour. Um, and it really probably depends on what they're doing on tour. Sure. But uh, if... I think you should try to find, if you're going to be in a city for at least a decent period of time, you should try to do something, I hesitate to say like touristy, but do something interesting everywhere you go, just so you can formulate some sort of memory of that place. And um, for me, it was even something as simple as uh, every um, city we went to that had a baseball park, if the team was playing while we were there, I had to go to a game. So I think I went to like 11 or 12 different baseball games on tour, which was awesome. Got to sing the national anthem at two of them. Uh, And, but um, it's probably the same thing as uh, not being on tour, really. Like you, in fact, it's probably even worse when you're on tour and you're playing one part or just one show. You're going to get comfortable. So you need to have different artistic outlets and different ways you can practice other things that aren't normally what you're doing on a day-to-day basis because you're if you're singing you know your voice will mold to a certain type of singing or um you know you're doing a certain accent then maybe that starts to become part of your acting persona right so you just have to be careful with that kind of stuff and uh save save money there's really really easy ways to do it you just set up a budget for yourself and stick to it and if every once in a while it goes awry that's fine you've got a budget that you're trying trying to trying to accomplish and then by the end it'll just be so much nice. it's so much easier to make good decisions in new york city when you got a little bit of money in your pocket then you don't feel forced you know um and in that regard i've been really luck- lucky to uh well, i should say fortunate to not have to audition for things that I don't think are as artistically fulfilling or sort of the next step onto wherever it is I'm going. 
So we've talked a lot about theater, but you're mm-hmm. also a pretty big film person. Yeah. Film and TV. Who are, who and what are some of your biggest influences? Well, um, as far as uh, acting, teaching goes, uh, the two guys that I really uh, ascribe to are, here in the city, Bob Krakauer is sort of the best um, acting, film acting teacher there is. And then he is completely opposite to the other guy that I really like, who's Larry Moss. And... Uh, you know, like anything else, you go and you take these classes and you have to take, you know, bits and pieces. Sure. I like this, I don't like that. And I've gotten into it with many different uh, film instructors here in the city. I've taken so many classes now, my my brain is, I think it's on overload. I'm ready now to just kind of start doing stuff. Um, but as far as performers go, there's a few that I really like. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis is probably my favorite actor, but... The whole, like, super method thing is not for me. <laughs> I don't... I think I like kind of a little bit of it. So, um... So I'm a huge, like, uh, Lord of the Rings nut. And uh, Viggo Mortensen, who plays uh, Aragorn, is just, like... He just seems like that dude loves what he does. Like, everything he does, it's 100%. And his particular way of approaching a role is something that really inspires me against probably more intense than I'm ready for. I'm kind of sure. a goofball and I like messing around with people. But um, just those two guys, their commitment, uh, and the same can be said about Glenn Close and um, Kate Blanchett, um, who are two of my favorite actresses. Is that is that you're not supposed to say actresses at all anymore, right? Yeah. Female actors. <laughs> I... I... I have no comments on that situation. <laughs> have you seen either of them in their New York shows currently? No, because it's like impossible to get into Sunset Boulevard on tickets like nine thousand dollars or I mean, something I, right now. I saw it for free. You saw it already? I saw it. Oh, I hear I she's was, so good. Was, it was a masterclass, but I saw it the day Hillary Clinton was there. Oh, yep. And we were what, like two rows behind her. Wow. Yeah. How was it? I hear Glenn oh, it is just nuts. It's like diva year this year. There's like Glenn Close yeah. is on Broadway and uh, Patti Lapone and who else? What's the other? Never saw. Yeah, and uh, what's the other show? Who's doing Hello Dolly? Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of divas. <laughs> I'm like, man, the divas. Tony's this year it. is going to be the Battle of the Divas. What draws you to the stage, and in turn, what draws you to film and TV? Uh, well. When I was younger, I always just loved being a character, you know? Even when I played, you know, played, I grew up in a really small town, like 2,000 people, and a lot of outdoor stuff. So your imagination was just kind of, it was really easy to imagine yourself (laughs) being Indiana Jones, climbing rock faces when you have rock faces you can climb, you know? Um, And I always really loved that about uh, acting and being sort of becoming a character and getting to play a character and to live to tell a story you know uh to live in that in that different world where people can watch you be someone completely whoever you want to be you know as long as it falls under the the realm of what you're doing um and i know a lot of people who really that they need to do theater because they take so much of that energy from the audience but I, I don't feel like my performances historically have ever really changed if an audience is 
good or I never say a bad audience. It's just I Not always engaged. try to think of like well yeah, well maybe they are though. You don't just responses sure. probably is the thing. Everyone if an audience isn't responsive, people tend to say that's a bad audience, but I've always said that um I think of it as well, maybe this audience today yesterday was responsive because they were there to see some of the comedy and the audience today is here to see the love story. So, right. you know, different people go to Romeo and Juliet for different reasons. And um so in that regard, I don't really need that sort of instant appreciation. Uh, I So acting for the camera is is not a difficult thing for me, other than the technical difficulties right. of it. Uh, but it's not like, oh man, I can't get going uh, because I'm only doing four lines at a time with the camera two inches from my face. Uh, I actually probably like the, the medium of storytelling in film acting a little bit more uh i'm much more inclined to binge watch a television show or yeah. watch a few movies than i am to watch four broadway shows in a week you know um it's also a lot cheaper but <laughs> uh it's i like them both uh for separate reasons and i don't think that i think a lot of people now are really taking advantage of the fact that you don't need to pick one or the other you can kind of have an artistically fulfilling lifestyle in both. Do you have any dream projects or dream co-stars? Oh, man. Um, dream projects... Uh, well, I've really wanted to play Newsies in Newsies for like three years, and I'm getting that opportunity very soon. You're getting to your season today. I know. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, I've always wanted to do Rock of Ages... Uh, and Floyd Collins, um, those are probably the, and Bonnie and Clyde, I guess, but Bonnie and Clyde isn't, Bonnie and Clyde just has really good music. Right. <laughs> I don't really like to play that much, but, um, Dream Co-Stars, uh, I'd really like to do a show with, uh, Bryce Pinkham just because we were both born in the same town, ironically, yeah. in Northern California, uh. And I met him at a Giants, a Barrya sports bar downtown, and had a good time with him. And he's a really nice guy. Um, obviously, would love to do something with Daniel Day Lewis or Viggo Mortensen. Uh, another actor I really like is Brad Pitt. Um, but I don't know. I used to always really say like, "Well, who would you want to like sit down and have lunch with?" Sure. And it was always. Robin Williams because I feel like we would have just drove everybody crazy. So I guess I don't know who's similar to that. Uh, Jim Carrey maybe. Yeah. Like doing something with Jim Carrey would probably be a blast. I don't know what it would be, but I'm sure that would be a lot of fun. If you could play any athlete, who would it be? Oh, you know, I'm only I'm only like five eight five nine, um, and uh, I don't know much about him. Other than my dad was a huge Vikings fan, but the Vikings had this quarterback who was kind of a shorter guy um, named Fran Tarkenton, mm -hmm. and his story is so interesting. I don't know how much of it is like wives' tales or whatever, but I guess when he was in college, there was like he was like the backup quarterback, and like they were losing, the team was losing by like three touchdowns and third and long near their own end zone, and he just checked himself in, <laughs> and all the coaches were like. Hey, what's Targeton doing? And no one really, they were just like, well, we can't bring him back now. He's right. all the way on the other side of the field. And he like drove down and scored and then they won the game. 
And then obviously he was the starter from then on. And then something like in the championship game, he uh, they were like going for two to win it instead of one to tie it. And they sent the play in and he was like, no, we're not. And he got down and in the dirt, like drew up a play. <laughs> he just created a play and nice. showed his team what to do. So And he was also, I guess, kind of a, a jokester and a troublemaker. Um, but that's probably the athlete that I would <laughs> maybe have a shot of playing. Sure. I'm not really a big guy, so you'd, you'd have to you'd have to find, I don't know, maybe I could play some second baseman or something. <laughs> the Pete Rose story. Or Chuck Knobloch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on a podcast, but you also have a podcast. Yes, I do. Let's talk about Singer Stories. Singer Stories is actually pretty similar to this, I think. Uh, it's once... Uh, once I, it's supposed to be every week. Um, we get together and we find a new singer or a new guest, uh, and all different lines of singing. So we have we've had some uh, pop rock singers. We've had some uh, obviously a lot of theatrical singers, um, musicians, and even different uh, voice teachers and um, musical directors. And uh, we are sort of still evolving and trying to figure out, you know, what the exact right um, mode is to move forward. But uh, essentially what you always have is I co-host with the creator and um, my soon-to-be roommate, John Wobble, and we're just too... We're stupid by ourselves. And when you get (laughs) the two of us together, my dad would describe it as when you have one guy... You have maybe a brain, and then you get two guys. You have half a brain between them right. combined, and then three guys is just there's no brain at all. And we are probably closer to three guys <laughs> than two because it's just it's really silly and funny and lighthearted. And half the time, John's drinking wine. <laughs> it's really silly, and uh, and we have a whole lot of fun with it. And it's free. It's on iTunes. Singer stories. No. There's only one S in between. I used to think it was singers' stories, but it's only one singer stories. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. We usually put up uh, an episode on Mondays, and we also have uh, like we have app reviews, and um, we like to check in with our different guests and sort of update everyone what they're doing, uh, like on a sort of month-to-month basis sure. we have like a month in review where we talk about any other projects that some of our other guests have gone through and or are working on now and so it's a lot of fun what inspired you to start the podcast well, it was john's idea um and he had asked me to be a guest and then i think he went home and talked to his dad about it and his dad said well you should you should get a co-host just because the banter will probably be funny and so he just said, "Well, why don't why not do it with me?" And I just figured it seemed like a good way to just sort of cross promote. You know, you can only do so much with your website and YouTube sure. and Vimeo and Facebook. And I don't have Twitter yet, but it's probably a good thing. But uh, it just we've we've talked about various projects about putting up some sort of silly cabaret. And so I just think the more coverage you have, the more people you meet, and the easier it is for you to get work in general. Who would you love to have on as a guest? Oh, man. I was thinking about this the other day, um, about who would be, like, a perfect guest. And 
Um, I mean, I'd, I'd say someone like Aaron uh, Tviet or... Um, do I say his name right? I don't even Tveit. know. Tveit. Well, I guess he's never going to be on the show now because I said his name. <laughs> <laughs> or like Jeremy Jordan or one of these guys that does television and theater and uh, sort of is the same kind of, um, I guess, type as I am. Sure. I could actually get a little bit of extra advice. Uh, but no, I mean, anyone who is a, a great uh, Broadway or like an actual like household name, I don't know. I would say Sarah Bareilles, but I'd be too afraid that I would just immediately propose to her and then just embarrass myself, and that would be the end of the podcast for good. Well, she we're gonna get back us. to Sarah Bareilles in a bit, but oh no, um, I th- we're moving into like the non-theater portion. Yeah, but this is still gonna be a theatrical-like question. Okay. Since I know you pretty well, I know that you are a fan of the impressions. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite impression? Can you give us a little snippet? Because I think I know who you're gonna go with, but I don't know if you're actually gonna do it. Who's my favorite impression? That you can do. Uh, of like a famous person, you mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I don't know if I have a favorite. I guess I do. I guess I do Arnold Schwarzenegger That's where a I was lot. Going. <laughs> Just because he's basically my hero. <laughs> yeah, what I have on the podcast, except for I don't think Arnold's a great singer. Uh, but, uh, okay, I all right. I, oh God, um, I don't know if I'd ever want to listen to that. Yeah, it, it'd be interesting, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> He, there's this, he's really been doing a lot of stuff lately with, um, like, green energy, and so I think I even posted something on the page today about gerrymandering or something, right. but he's, he's one of my biggest, uh, my biggest, like, inspirations, and mostly because he'll say stuff like, <laughs> in his movie Pumping Iron, he will, this one guy was asking him sort of like, hey, Arnold, so you're... You're the best in the world. You're on top of the hill right now, right? You're the, you're the top wolf. But other wolves, they want to come up on top of the hill. And, uh, you know, I figure you only have two questions. So you either have to uh, get down off the mountain or or someone's going to take you off the top of the mountain. And Arnold goes, or I could stay on top. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah, but the other wolves, I mean, they want the food. And he goes, yeah, the other wolves are hungry and they want the food. But you know what? It's there. And they can come take it if they want to. <laughs> Did you watch the new Celebrity Apprentice? I haven't seen any of the new Celebrity Apprentice. I'm sure there is like a nice five minute uh, best of clip on YouTube. There's got to be. That's I some of the things it. he is said. He, is he nuts or is he He's really outrageous. funny? Well, he, he it's funny because of how unfunny he is. <laughs> like some of the things he says are so inappropriate. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's great because he, well, he's he in always, on the joke. He's, yeah, I guess. Unlike the other host who was... Right. Not. And the two of them have been arguing back yes. and forth online. Um, so I have a really... I'm giving you. I'm going to give you a Sophie's Choice question right now. Okay. Football or baseball? Baseball. I really like football, but baseball is the... <laughs> it's the best sport. And I know a lot of people don't like it, and I'm okay with that. People don't have to all like it, but the tradition behind it and sort of the like gentility and gamesmanship you know i don't really like i like the whole idea of if one guy flips his bat and shows up a pitcher that when he comes up to bat next time someone's going to do something about it you know and there's not really as many suspensions or anything because it's just sort of like i guess it's kind of like hockey where they let guys fight it out they're like let it let them settle it on their own 
and uh, it's just it's such an old game, and like you know, the Giants Dodgers rivalry is something like forty years older than football, right. <laughs> than the sport itself. So. Now, had the Forty ers had a better season this year, do you think you would answer football? No. <laughs> No, I, I'm not very happy with the 49ers right now Well, then anyway. let's, let, let's talk about how are the San Francisco Giants going to do this year. You know, I think they got a pretty good shot. I think they're going to be one of the, uh, one of the, probably one of the 10 best teams in baseball. Probably one of the top, I would say, ambitiously one of the top five teams in the National League. Uh, I still, the Dodgers are going to be really good this year, which I hate. They just keep getting better. They, it's so hard to not be good when you spend way more money than you're supposed to spend. Right. And the Dodgers just, you know, I guess, you know, there's some people that are okay with stacking the deck. Uh, the Dodgers will always be the most evil and terrible franchise in the history of anything. Uh-oh. You're <laughs> going to lose some fans out there. Oh, well. But, uh, no, I don't know. I have a lot of really good friends who are Dodgers fans and it's just a fun fact it's not like the Giants don't spend money but they sure. just nobody they, spends they, they what the Dodgers too. spend yes um so we're gonna move into what I call the pop five rapid fire so I'm gonna give you five pop culture things okay and you're gonna give me the first thing that comes to your head and then you can explain why you said it if you like all right let's do it so number one ESPN uh, it's a dying news network. <laughs> all right. Do you keep up with it at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I don't really go there for most of my... I mean, I, I do my fantasy football through ESPN just because I think it's like a clean, easy uh, bot to use, I guess. I, I prefer it to like Yahoo and NFL, but it's not... It used to be a lot better, and now, I don't know. They sort of got into that whole, like... Let's put up a bunch of different shows of just two old men arguing with each other. And it got a little tired for me. Yeah. Uh, it's still, I prefer ESPN to, like, actual news because it's even worse. Like CNN. I'll watch ESPN for my news before I go to ESPN. Yeah. Uh, number two, Sarah Bareilles and Waitress. I mean, it, it was going to happen, right? It was like, I almost felt like when she was, I heard she was writing the show um at that time i was taking class with justin huff who was a big part of the casting process with uh and the development of waitress um i just sort of remember telling him i feel like she wrote this so she could do it and of course you know when you're writing and you're tweaking stuff there's probably way too much involved for you to to jump right in and unless you're Lin-Manuel Miranda, I guess, who's just... I don't know if that guy never sleeps. I don't know how he does it. But um, now that I think the show's up, and I think it just makes a lot of sense, uh, I'd be interested to see how she does. Do I'd imagine... a chance to see it? Uh, I don't know. When does she go on? I think the 31st of March. It's going to be close. Um, tickets are probably not going to be cheap. No, they're not. Once <laughs> she gets in there. So... Um, I don't know. I don't think... I'm not sure... I have her soundtrack, like her doing her songs. And I like it. Not nearly as much as I like her other music, but there's a few really, really awesome songs in there. And uh, from what I understand, I've never seen the movie. I don't know if it's necessarily a story that appeals to me. I don't really get it. I mean... It's slow. I just don't feel like there's that much there. (laughs) I don't know. 
but I guess it's fun and it's it's fine if you yeah. you don't everything doesn't have to be a life changing. No, not at all. <laughs> musical. Not at all. Um, it's, but uh, I think she is wonderful, and I wish her the best of luck. And if you're listening, Sarah, um, I am very single. <laughs> um, you know, I did a uh, interview with her sister on the website. I didn't know that. I did. It's one of the most viewed uh, articles I've ever done. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you'll give me her number, and then she'll yeah, give me right. Sarah's sure. number. And I'll, then... see, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right, number three is the Chicago Cubs. Oh, I mean, well, they're the they're the best right now, and they deserve to be. They probably were the best. I, I, I sense a little bitterness here. Well, look, they <laughs> they beat the Giants fair and square. They beat the Giants fair and square. I think the Giants really helped them to beat us fair and square. Like, they played better than we did. Yeah. And so they won. It's just a shame. You always, you know, it comes down to those little moments. It's it's a baseball game is sort of determined by who's playing better, a better game of baseball that day. Oops. And uh, they, at least the Dodgers didn't win. Like, they beat the Dodgers <laughs> and... Uh, at first, I didn't know if I thought it was a good thing for baseball or a bad thing if they won. Because I thought, you know, my entire history of the Cubs has been the lovable losers. And I didn't really want that to be taken away. Right. But um, I think it got, I think the fact that the Cubs won last year was really good for the sport. I think, like, it was like the best year ever for, I think, like, numbers wise for. At least the playoffs. Um, and so I think that hopefully will bring a lot of younger fans in the Midwest uh, into the game to continue watching it. I don't know. Everyone's always worried about baseball losing fans, but it's actually not losing fans. So it's not going anywhere. Um, the Cubs are going to be good this year, but uh, they're beatable. I, I don't know why. The Cubs won the World Series despite their manager. Mm-hmm. Joe Madden was trying to do really stupid things. Yeah. He almost lost Game 7. He almost lost it. It was and a good game he to was watch, though. literally saved by forces <laughs> of nature yeah. because that rain delay came in and saved saved his career. Yes. Um, and so I think they're beatable. Uh, if I was to put odds on who's going to win the World Series right now this year... I think the Dodgers are probably the most complete team, but uh, the Cubs are going to be up there. They're going to be really good. Number four is Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio is an interesting guy because I think he's done really, really good work um, recently, and obviously he's finally been recognized for his work, even though I feel like it was almost sort of like Okay, we're giving you this Academy Award for stuff that you've done before because The Revenant was such a strange movie in general. Um, but uh, when he was younger, he was so brave. And I always really paid attention to him because people always told me that I kind of looked like him or that uh, my cousin still thinks I should do a movie where I play his son. But I think my time clock on playing Leonardo DiCaprio's son is expiring quickly. Uh, no, I think you have some time. He's you... not that much older than I am. So? I mean, well, maybe. always go back to Golden Girls where Estelle Getty is actually older than B. Arthur. Right, that's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, it would have to be one of these, like, 
I guess I could play Leo's son maybe. Now I'm going to have to wait a while. I'm going to wait until he's older and then I can be yeah. his adult son. But, uh, yeah, I like him. I really like Leo. And number five is the Oscars. The Oscars. I don't... I probably should pay more attention to award shows than I do. Are you going like, to watch? Probably not. I don't like... Award shows are so long. <laughs> I usually, with the Oscars, I wait until it's over, and then I go on and I see what won everything, and then I, then I watch those movies. Sure, okay. Like, I don't usually watch them... Because I think there was one year I did, it was like, I'm going to watch all the movies, at least up for Best Picture. And I, it was like Best Picture and Best Actor. And I'm going to make sure that I watch them so then I have something to root for when I watch the Oscars. And I was like really upset when the stuff that I didn't <laughs> think was clearly the best right. didn't happen. And I was like, I think it's good to reward people and recognize them for their work. Uh, I I think Meryl Streep is a great actress. I don't think that we just need to have to nominate her every year. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that whatever she did this year was great, but there have been years where I'm like, that? You know, why not this person? And, yeah, I don't. I probably don't really care all that much because I think there's a bit of political, like, handshakes under the table and stuff that has a lot to do with the winners of the Oscars. And it's just like any sort of press, Absolutely. you know. If you my sort of general rule when I'm doing a show is I don't read any reviews about my performance until the show's closed. Because really it's going to affect you one way or the other. Sure. And I don't really want it to affect me. So you know, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't really matter. It can't it can't influence you one way or the other. Um and every once in a while, you're just going to run up against them. Like, people are going to tell you stuff that you don't want to hear. Or it's going to get passed around a dressing room or something. Right. Uh, and so you just kind of have to deal with it. Um, but, you know, you take the good stuff and you put it up on your website and then you forget about the rest. Yeah. So how we end our podcast is I ask you a question from our previous guest. Okay, great. So this is a question from Emily and Hollis. Okay, and I'm scared of the answer, but I'm excited also. Oh, no. What do you feel is your greatest quality? My greatest quality? Mm-hmm. Is that like a professional quality, or it can be whatever I want? Um, something that I, I really sort of pride myself on is generally if I say I'm going to do something, I'll follow through with it. Even if... A few days go by, and I really don't want to do it. Right. Um, I sort of always joke, a great example is, when I was in college, uh, my survival job was I was a a DJ for a wedding company. (laughs) And I uh, was here right before I went out on tour, and um, one of our other roommates, uh, Natalie uh, Sullivan, she was getting married while I was on tour. And I said, yeah, of course, I'll put in my request to go to the wedding. And then she said, well, this is, we were kind of hoping uh, that you would DJ it, which I knew was going to be so much work. Sure. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a vacation. But they got me to promise. And once, you know, I say I'm going to do something, unless really, 
something really dire happens. Like, I'm sorry, I have to go home, or they wouldn't let me leave, right. or, you know, whatever the situation is. There are things that are always going to be out of your control, but uh, for the most part, I just, I'm okay. It really bugs me when people say they're going to do something for me, and then they don't do it. And, uh, you know, you got to let that go, but it's, I think that it's, I'm always okay with someone saying, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, All right, fine, great. Now I can make whatever. But people are generally counting on you to do something. Um, and so if you give your word to someone, keep your word. And that's, that's a great quality. probably the thing that I at least try to ascribe to as much yeah, as possible. I would say you do it very well. Great. So now's your time to ask my next guest a question. Do I know who your next guest is? No, you don't. Okay, I have to... This has to be a good one. Okay. Um, okay. If you found the magic lamp and you had the genie and you get three wishes and, you know, all the same rules, no, uh, no wishing for more wishes, just you get three wishes, what are your three wishes going I like to be? that question. That's a good it's one. It's a three-parter question and you have to think a lot about it. <laughs> well... Just give us your social media again. Okay. Where can people find you and the podcast? The easiest way to uh, stay in touch with me is uh, through my website, which is ryanfarnsworth.net. I'm still waiting for the guy who has .com. He's not even <laughs> using it. He just owns it. It doesn't work. Uh, but .net works, and that has um, links to a few videos and a lot of my uh, music from when I got out of college and um, sort of information on what's coming up, and uh, resumes and all the contact information for uh, my agents and whatnot. Uh, and the Singer Stories podcast, you can go to singerstories.com, and it's also available on iTunes uh, for free. And um, those are probably the two main things That's that fair. I'm sort of involved in right now. Well, if you made it to the end of this podcast, use hashtag Sarah B, can you hear me? <laughs> um, so let us know you listen and... Thanks for doing this. <laughs> no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. A huge thank you to Ryan for stopping by. Don't forget to visit our Patreon page for information on becoming a patron. And if you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterinthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. <laughs> <laughs>